It's time for the only podcast dedicated to spaghetti westerns and the people who made them. Join hosts Jay Jennings and Tom Betts for the Once Upon a Time in Spaghetti Westerns podcast, which starts now. I'm Jay Jennings and my co-host. Tom Betts. Who do we have, Tom? I think it's Montgomery Ford from The Hat, but it's really, <laughs> really Brett Halsey. That's right. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So anyway, so we're going to get to why you're called Montgomery Ford in some of your films and how you went from genre to genre. I mean, you've been in, in everything, spaghetti westerns, and you made spy movies and uh, swashbuckling. Uh, right, Hot right? Rod movies. Hot Rod. <laughs> Soap operas. Soap, soap operas, or the king of soap operas. Well, no. uh, oh, come on. <laughs> and, and of course, the obligatory uh, appearance on the love boat. Right, oh, Brett? Yes. You started uh, your career, I guess, doing a bunch of early TV shows uh, in, the, in the 50s, kind of like uh, Life of Riley and uh, Brave Eagle, Gunsmoke, uh, Death Valley Days. Um, what did you learn from those early years? Well, actually, I started before that. I was. Uh, oh, okay. I was under contract to Universal for a couple of years. I went to the Universal School and worked in um, uh, 13 movies while I was under contract. Wow. They had a new talent program. They don't have those programs anymore, but uh, where they would train people and the, and, the, and the kids who were going to to the school also worked in pictures because that was part of our education. And it was a great education to go even having a bit part in a picture with a big director and big stars. So it was a right. very good school, but so, you're right. I think I think Life of Riley. I'm not sure if Life of Riley was my first job after Universal. It was okay. either Life of Riley or uh, Life with Luigi. Ooh, was, wow! Life with Luigi was the first live TV show to go out of uh, uh, CBS Production Center uh, in, in Hollywood. Hmm. Right. Because I remember, you, as I said, you had many spurts in your career, television, then you went and did all these different genres, then you came back to television, now you make, and then you went back to movies again. So you've always kept busy, which, thank goodness, us fans get to see you. I was going to ask you, uh, your first film, I think, where you were featured was that Audie Murphy biopic, To Hell and Back, right? Yeah, yeah, but, this, but it was the story of his life. Right. It was phenomenal. The... Audie's story, the book is around in the movie. The, the book is much better. But he, what he did, working in the movie with him, I was part of his his, uh, his patrol. And uh, the things that, that he did in life that they recreated in the movie, it, it was just to watch, to be standing there, acting there, was standing, and, and watching him do these things was amazing. Audie was an amazing sort of person. I tell you a little side story uh, that's indicative of his character. We used to spar in the gym. We, we, we were pretty friendly. And they had a gym at Universal, and Audie and I, I was a lot taller than Audie, but we used to spar as part of our workout in, in the gym. Um, there was no hitting in the face. That's, that's actors. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't hit the face. Anyway, once I accidentally popped him in the nose and uh, I was surprised he was surprised but it, I saw it was like 
It was like a thermometer, the red <laughs> And I put my hands down and I said, that's it, Audie, this fight's over. And I turned my back. Yeah. I, knew, I knew he wouldn't hit me if I turned my back. But he was a high end. It, um, it could have resulted uh, badly, but but the minute I turned my back, he was okay. And we never had a problem. Did he have any flashbacks while he was making the movie? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Right. I'm not surprised. You yeah. know, we know much more today about that post. Sure. Uh, and Audie probably did. Audie was kind of troubled. He would drink and carouse some things, but but he was a good. He was a good person. He was. Oh yeah. Let me ask you, because um, we have so much to talk to you about, and please feel free to expound love stories like that. Uh, I think I just said after you did that, I think early in your career you made a bunch of uh, Hot Rod B pictures, like um, Hot Rod Rumble, High School Hellcats, <laughs> The Crybaby Killer with Jack Nicholson, and then, of course, uh, Speed Crazy, one of my favorites, some great dialogue in that. Were those fun to make, or did, did is that how you learned how to make films, or how just how the, the bills were paid? What what did those early years mean for you? All of that, mm. how the bills were paid, learning my craft, um, working in B pictures is a, is a great school because there's no time to waste. You don't fiddle around with wondering about what you're going to shoot. The directors, uh, if they're going to continue directing, come to work prepared. Um, Oh, yes, there's Crybaby Killer right there. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, her name is Carolyn Mitchell. She was married to um, to Mickey Rooney, and uh, her boyfriend shot her because he caught her sleeping Jeez. with her husband. Mm. That's interesting little story. Side wow. And yet, so how was it working with Jack Nicholson early in his career? Jack and I have become become friends since, since then, but again, we were working. There wasn't time to to, to fool around. Um, but you know, we had we had our time. It was funny. The last last time I saw Jack was at a party, and he introduced me to somebody as the best chess player he's ever known. <laughs> we didn't talk about acting at all. It's a funny thing oh. when. When I see uh, actor friends of mine, people expect that we talk about show business or, or something. But no, uh, well, I can remember, uh, oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm dropping names again. It's all right. Um, uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. I can't. You know, when they changed my name, my original name was Brett Halsey. <laughs> I mean, Charles Hand. And when the studio changed my name, people used to come up to me and they'd say, hi, my name is so-and-so. And I'd stick my hand out and I'd have to stop and think, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm Brett Halsey. So I've never heard names. You know, we, we, we'd shoot those pictures in eight or ten days. Uh, so it was really pop, pop, pop. <laughs> but it was fun. Wow. It was fun. That was like a good time. So then later, I think after that, you, I mean, basically were in one of the main films that you're known for, Return of the Fly. Um, what was that like in being such an iconic movie that's part of a franchise, early franchise? Um, it was a, a real experience. I'll tell you how it started. 
um, I'd start in about these hot rod pictures, I don't know, four or five pictures, and and I was paid uh, $500 a week with a two-week guarantee, so I'd make $1,000 for making a movie. And uh, and often, if we shoot them in eight days, they'd, they would think that I screwed them out of two days of, of work. <laughs> I did do the whole two weeks. Anyway, when, the, when they offered me uh, the Return of the Fly, I said, okay, I'll do it, but I want more money. I said, it's, it's, it's not a, a B, more money or I'm not going to do it. And they argued back and forth. I just said, no, I don't, I don't care. So uh, the head of uh, Fox's uh, B division was a, um, uh, oh, damn it, I can't remember. Uh, Lippert. Robert Lippert, who was a big, big producer. And he called me into his office, which was a big surprise, because to be dealing with a, you know, a studio head at that time of my life was unusual. Anyway, Lippert said, look, kid, I, I want you to do the movie, but I'm not going to pay you anymore. But I want to tell you something. You want to do this movie. It's going to be good for your career. I promise you it's good for your career, but I'm not going to give you another dime. I said, well, OK. And thank God I did, because <laughs> it resulted in um, we finished the movie, and I did one more independent. But the movie was a stepping stone into a contract at uh, at 20th Century Fox. That is a legendary film. Um, of course, you on the the head with the legs. The oh, that was, that was part of the uh, of the deal. Was I didn't have to wear the head. So the, the days when the head was working. Uh, I, I didn't have to work, so that was that was one more way I was cheating them out of a day's work. <laughs> there you uh, are. Help and, me, help and, me. And uh, yeah, help me, help me. <laughs> and, uh, David Hedison, who was the Fly, uh, was a very good friend. We were friends from before the Fly movies, and right up until he died. Uh, but he wore the head. He felt that he couldn't really get into the character, character. If, uh -huh. he, if he wasn't wearing the head. Wow. I felt fine. I didn't wear that head. It's a great film, part of you know the iconic films with Vincent Price. You yeah. worked with him again in, in Twice Told Tales. What do you remember yeah. about Vincent? Vincent's probably my favorite actor that I ever worked with. Nice man, giving, helping, mentoring. Uh, we became friends. We uh, spent some time with his, he and his wife, and being my wife in Mexico, and and in um, in Italy, uh, he was there while I was living in Italy, and he uh, advised me on some paintings to buy, which I did. I still have them. A wonderful man. Vincent was a wonderful man. I remember one advertising line in New York, and they said. The fly is open. It's the biggest thing ever seen on Broadway. <laughs> you bet. <clears throat> okay. <Wow>. Tom, <laughs> anything you wanted to ask Brett about uh, his no, career I, at this like, point? I remember that at the end, they're sitting on the park bench, and you hear this, help me, help me, and then they zoom in on the fly in the spider web, you know. Never, right, well, once you see classic. that movie, you never forget it, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, so like, the, it's right. like the... Sh 
It's like the shower scene, I think, in, in Psycho. Psycho. Very, mm -hmm. very yep. similar. Let's move on to a fun little cult film that uh, our good friend director Jim Wynorski uh, asked, well, what you thought about making Atomic Submarine. Mm. That was very interesting. Uh, the director was fortunately a director who had come from uh, from from the silence, and he, I think he was a, a directed the uh, Three Stooges a lot, things like like that. We shot the, all the principal photography in five days, uh, so again there was no wasting of time. I guess right. not. Uh, but it was a, a good experience. One thing I remember is um, playing a, a minor role was Bob Steele, who was one of my idols when I was a child as, 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 a, as a, a cowboy in the Saturday serials. Right. Um, so that's, that's one of the things I remember most fondly. I enjoyed the picture. I, I, liked, I liked most of the people in it. It's fun. Uh, Roy Garrett wants to know, Return of the Fly, why did they film it in black and white since the fly was filmed in color? The, uh, the reason they gave was they thought it was more dramatic in black and white. The reason they didn't give is because it's cheaper than shooting it in color. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's fair enough. So yeah. like, from that point, after Atomic Submarine, uh, Brett, I think you went in, you started making, uh, introducing the more Westerns. You were in The, <clears throat> the Man from the Alamo and uh, Gunman's Walk and uh, Four Fast Guns. Four Fast Guns is a classic now. So did at the time, did, was that some, a genre that you wanted to continue doing or because you, you enjoyed it so early in your career? Well, um, the first two, uh, um, Man from Alamo, I was at, uh, st still a, a student at Universal. So I just had a bit in it. Interesting mm -hmm. thing about that, uh, film though if you look at the cast credit way down the list of all the uh, uncredited actors uh i th think three or four of them ended up starring in tv series wow so that was all all, all a good school mm -hmm. um uh the other one with, with um what was it called um four fast guns no uh Oh, Gunman's Walk. Gunman's Walk with Van Heflin and Tab Hunter. That was a, a, a real life experience because, again, I was one of the, uh, it was a good job. And, and at that time uh, in my career, whenever I could get a job, I wanted it because I needed mm -hmm. it. Right. So um, I had a, a really small part. And uh, one afternoon, we're out in the shooting out in the desert in Arizona and uh, Admiral Halsey comes rolling up in a Jeep with his daughter and, uh, and his uh, adjutant and the people went nuts. The, <laughs> the, the, the production people said, what, what the hell is Admiral Halsey doing here? What, what? And they <laughs> said, well, he's, he's come to come to have lunch with his nephew. He's my great uncle, not my director. Uh -huh. So who's his nephew? Is Brett Halsey. Who's Brett Halsey? <laughs> so That's anyway, we with the Cowboys, he came and he sat with the Cowboys and we had the, the you know, the brass arranged a big fancy lunch and he just he didn't want any part of it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was, so was my good. best. 
That was funny. Best well, yeah, that's yeah. Those before you actually, I think, moved on. I think two of your breakthrough films. Uh, I think with the girl in Lovers Lane, and then Jack and Jenny. Well, they're, they're quite separate. The girl in Lovers Lane. That was a good film. I liked that mm -hmm. film. We had a good director, Charles Rondo. Um, good cast. Uh, and it turned out to be pretty good. I mean, it was another quickie. We shot in, I think we had 10 days. We had a very good photographer, um, Kron Yeager. Eddie Kron Yeager or Charles Kron Yeager. He had been, won an Academy Award or something, but he had trouble with alcohol, I think, earlier on. And so he, he was reduced to doing bees, but he was still a master. So I'm very proud of that picture. I always like that picture. And then uh, talk about, uh, if you will, Jack and Jenny. Well, Jack and Jenny came later. Jack and Jenny came while I was um, living in in uh, in Italy. Okay. Uh, it's hard to tell the story there. I have to clean this up a bit, but it's all right. Um, I had a contract to do the picture, and we shot shot it in Berlin, and I went to Berlin. And meanwhile, the director was having a problem with the leading lady, and they both quit the quit the picture. I'm really trying to clean this up because it's a <laughs> story. Anyway, in the end, she they they were a couple. She dumped him, and she did the picture, and they got a new director. So it was very, very dicey mm. the first few days of shooting. But it turned right. out all right. And then we were supposed to go to Thailand to shoot, and they, I don't know, they ran out of money or something, so they shot it on this on a set. It wasn't very good, that, that part of it. Uh, but it was, a, it was a real experience. Um, being in Berlin at that time, uh, I met uh, my German wife while we were shooting that picture. Oh. We were, she was starring in a in uh, Annie Get Your Gun. It was a big, big production from Germany for Germany. Heidi. Heidi. Heidi Brühl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was a big star in Germany. And uh, one of the things I remember, especially, I I would go over to East Germany, just kind of look around, which was really for, it wasn't forbidden, but uh, frowned upon. Mm -hmm. And I had a brand new American Thunderbird and I drove over to East Berlin and I park it and I just watched the people looking at my car. <laughs> and that's funny, the East Germans never bothered me, but the, the Americans say, what the hell are you doing over there? <laughs> I said, right. oh, just... but uh, and the one experience I remember, I was near Checkpoint Charlie, which was the entrance into the, between the West and the East. Mm -hmm. And this little old man came up to me and he says, are you an American? I said, yeah. And he put his hand out and he said, I just want to thank you, sir. And he turned and walked away because we did help them a lot. Right. So let's uh, get to your next uh, phase of your career, Brett. And that was in the 60s when you made a bunch of uh, swashbuckling movies, such as The Seventh Sword, The Magnificent Adventure, with director Ricardo Freda. Freda. Or Freda, yeah. Freda. And uh, The Avenger of Venice. So for a time, you were associated, I guess, with that type of picture. Was that something you planned on or you just got offered to play those parts? It's the reason I went to Italy. Oh, uh, I, I just finished shooting the t my TV series at Fox, um, uh, Follow the Sun. 
and I got this offer. Well, while I was shooting the series, I got an offer to go over to Italy. I couldn't do it. And, but it's like the same day the, the series was ended, uh, I got this offer to go back and do a swashbuckler, which I had always wanted to do. I went to, I studied uh, fencing at the YMCA in Hollywood. And it was just really fascinating. Uh, I think um, Stuart Granger, when he did uh, Scaramouche, Mm-hmm. really inspired me to he became well, there, there you it looks like those sword lessons paid off brett there you are yeah yeah and and i i enjoyed it the, the picture was a success I, I, it was only one picture then i went back home and uh they offered me a contract to do th- three more pictures if i went back so i went back and did the three and then there was another one and another one and i stayed in europe stayed in europe did you like the beard? <laughs> yeah, that's that was that's my beard. Yeah. And then you also made the the Avenger of Venice. Yeah. With John Maria Canale, she uh, she was married to Freda, mm. so he she worked in most of his pictures. Wow. Bert, okay. Bert Nelson's the one holding me up. He's he was a good oh, friend. Yeah. Yeah, good actor, good good friend, good guy. So. The, oh, I love the, especially um, the Avenger of Venice. It's very colorful. Looks like looked like a bigger production than it was. <laughs> Maybe, huh? They were all lavish. They, yeah, uh-huh. they were all well designed. The costumes were all accurate. Everything was. They were, they would class would be classed today, I guess, as sword and sandal. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think between oh. B and A. Yeah. Well, maybe B plus, right, mm-hmm. or A minus. I don't. They weren't big A's, but they were right marginal. And, and just as you did these, um, you did these swashbuckling films. You just jettisoned into a, a new genre, the the spy detective phase, uh, beginning with Spy in Your Eye. Yeah, uh, well, the 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 Italian market kind of went from. It started with the strongman, the machiste pictures, then to the swashbucklers, then to the uh, uh, detective uh, imitation, James Bond, then to the westerns, and then to horror. And I worked in all all of those. Not many actors uh, can say that. You've definitely been in many genres. Uh, Let's take a look at some other posters, espionage in Lisbon. Yeah. That was a fun picture. That's that's the one uh, that I was talking about. We shot mostly in uh, in in Portugal, oh. uh, but we traveled. We shot in in Berlin. We shot in uh, Lebanon. Uh, I think we also shot in Rome and in France. We shot in wow, all over. Yeah, and you also did Bang Bang too, uh, Brett. Bang Bang, yeah. That was a really fun picture with uh, with Sheila. She's a big pop star in in uh, France, still is. And uh, it was my first picture where I acted in French. Now I don't speak French, but it was a French picture, and so I got a, a, a tutor and studied, learned it. Uh, and they, uh, one thing I was very proud of is um, they didn't dub me; they used my voice. Oh, that's cool. In, in the dubbing. So I, in my two pictures that I acted in French, it's my voice. 
Although I played a Canadian, I didn't play a Frenchman. Let me ask you this while, while we're talking about the beginnings of your European career. What, what did you think when you went over there? And I know you've mentioned it before. You've got five different actors standing around. They're all speaking different languages. How did you adjust to that? That was a big adjustment. That was in, in my first picture. And we were shooting in Madrid. And there was this big scene, a, a court scene with the, I don't know, the Pope or the King or something. And there were five actors in the scene. And each of the five actors was speaking his own language. Mm. Well, and I not only had to learn my lines, I had to learn their lines to know when when yeah, I was supposed to speak. Exactly. Because I'd hear this this these languages that I didn't didn't know. And so I'd watch and then also I, I started doing little tricks. Like I'd I'd count. I'd say he speaks, she speaks, I speak, blah, blah, blah. But it worked out all right. Yeah. Uh, that's one problem. And the other problem is because they didn't care about languages, they didn't care about the um, sound on the sets. So the cameras didn't have uh, the uh, audio. No. It's, so people would talk, walk around. <laughs> Fredo used to have his dogs on the set. And his dogs, if they get excited about something, they Marking. start howling. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was a real mess shooting. Uh, without sound. Here we, we have Johnny Ringo, and I think Tom was going to ask uh, uh, Johnny, while we have him, a question about that hat of his. Yeah, well, no, not that, not yet. Um, oh, okay. Johnny Ringo, Bet Brett Stars is Texas Ranger Johnny Ringo, who goes to town of Eagle Pass to investigate a counterfeiting ring. The only clue is some 15 years before, a man named Victor Mellon, an employee of the federal bank, disappeared, taking with him two $10 molds. After finding a young Mexican who can identify the forger, Ringo tries to capture him before he reaches the border. After several ups and downs, Sheriff Parker turns out to be the leader of the ring and is actually Victor Mellon. Uh, some trivia here, Victor Mellon was played by an actor named Lee Burton, and Lee Burton's real name was Guido Lola Brigida. Yeah. Ring a bell? He was, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. he was the cousin of Gina. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that I'm, I know you've answered this before, but I, I got a, uh, a, a note on the comments was Lee Hardcastle wants you to tell the story of why you wear a hat throughout the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, stuntman problem. Yes. Then you know the story. Yes. Uh, but the audience probably doesn't. Well, while we were shooting the film, uh, the, the the production ha had to take by certain Italian laws had to take um, uh, a student from the film school from the National Film School. That's CSC and again. They they took this boy, and he was um, I don't know a sheriff or something. But anyway, they, they they put me in a in a cell, and he's supposed to hit me in the head with a with a pistol. And I go down, and they lock me in the cell. Well, it came to shoot to shoot this, and the kid was really nervous. <laughs> and I said, "You ever done anything like this before?" He said, "No." I said, "Okay, uh, here." And I very carefully, with the pistol, showed him how to do it, how to fake the the hit, and, and he kept getting it wrong and getting it wrong. And finally, I said, 
listen, boy, if you hit me in the head, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and uh, he says, oh, oh, no, I won't. I won't do it. Okay. So we shoot the scene, and he, hits, and he hit me in the head, and I went down out cold in a puddle of blood. Well, he thought I was going to get up and hit him, but I, I was out. <laughs> uh, they hauled me to the hospital, had my head stitched up, and my head uh, hair shaved, of course. So through the rest of the picture, I had to keep my head on to hide the fact that I had no hair back there, a big bandage. Oh, the, secret, the secret's out. So, no, it's a great film, legendary, of course. And uh, and this began, I guess, the first of four. Is it four Tom Spaghetti Westerns? Yeah. And uh, the next one is also a classic, known as many things. Today we kill, tomorrow we die, or today meet, uh, tomorrow you. Which one do you like better, uh, Brett? Uh, today we kill, tomorrow we die. It's, uh, <laughs> Sounds Italian, good to me. The Italian title is uh, Today It's Me, oh. Tomorrow You. Yep. Oggi ho made domani a te. Right. Uh, right. That was a good film, good director. The the, the director, Tonino Cervi, is the son of a, one of Italians, um, Italy's big movie stars, Gino Cervi. But Tonino was primarily a, a producer. And he, uh, I don't know why he directed this, but he did. And he was very good. And he should have directed a, a, a sequel, but he, he didn't want to direct anymore. That was it. That was hmm. his whole deal. Right. We have a question here that asks, uh, what kind of involvement did Dario Argento have with Today It's Me, Tomorrow It's You? Thank you, David. Uh, Dario wrote the script. He, oh. uh, I have often heard that he was on the set and helping. No, he wasn't. Uh, we've become friends uh, through the years. I've worked with Dario on, on television, actually. But uh, wow. it's, it's funny that he, he, yes, he wrote the script. And then we had uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, right? Played uh, Mexican heavy, and Nakadai is uh, was one of Japan's biggest stars, and so for him to play uh, in a western was a real uh, departure for him. But he was he had this 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 samurai determination. He'd he he looked straight. He'd never ridden a horse, and uh, he, the horses he was probably thrown. I don't know. 10, 20 times he just get up and and just bullet through, and also a scene where um, I'm chasing him or he's chasing me I don't know through the through the woods and he wouldn't look down where he's going and there's he'd trip and fall in the uh, the tree branches tree trunk tree um, the roots and stuff roots yeah yep. and uh, he'd just get up and go and go and go I really admired him um, his wife was with him. And he, in in films, he's a very, in the Japanese films, a very hard, very, uh, but in life, he was really a, a sweet, gentle man. So was his wife. It was, I enjoyed working with him very much. Yes. And then, of course, Bud Spencer was who, yeah. a big Italian star. Bud Spencer is Bud Spencer. Yeah. Well, That's for those right. who haven't seen the film, I'll give you a quick synopsis of it. Uh, okay. Brett plays, plays a man called Bill Kiowa who has just spent five years in prison because El Fago, which is Nakadai, killed his Indian wife, had him beaten, and left money bags in his house from an earlier robbery and pins the robbery on Bill. So Bill, with plenty of time on his hands, plans his revenge and, having done his time, recruits four of the best gunmen 
around. O'Banion, which is Bud Spencer. Jeff Milton, which is Wade Preston. Bunny Fox, uh, played by Stanley Gordon, which is an Italian's real name of Franco Borelli. And Colt Moran, which is William Berger. So he rounds these five guys up. And when El Fago and his gang rob Wells Fargo coach, Bill and his men are hot on the trail in the hope of carrying out their plans for revenge. So that's the plot of the movie. Uh, you're, you're very you're very dark in it, Brett. You got the dark beard. You wear the black. Well, the hat he's got on his head is from yeah. The Day We Kill, Tomorrow We Die. That's the hat. Right. I know that. I'm just saying very brooding character. I mean, you kind of look like uh, this is this is a joke. Elvis and Charo a little bit yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that was the character. That's um, we we went over. We rehearsed it before we started shooting this. We did. It was a very well, serious. Let me ask you. Let me ask you two questions. Did you know Wade Preston before you went over to Italy? Oh yeah. Did you know him from the states? Okay. The other question is: Did you do your own stunts? Mostly. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, first I'll tell you about Wade. Wade was a good actor, and he did a series at Warner Brothers called uh, Colt Forty Five. Right. And, um, but he was ornery and he would make trouble sometimes. Anyway, he got in an argument with, um, Jack Warner and that Warner took seriously and Warner fired him, banned him from the lot, blacklisted him in Hollywood. Mm. And, uh, Wade never, to my knowledge, worked in Hollywood again, even at Warner Brothers when I was working on, um, Dukes of Hazard. I tried to get him a, a job in that, and, and uh, even after Jack Warner was dead, Warner's wouldn't hire him. Wow. So let's move on to your next spaghetti western film, uh, which is Day of Wrath, um, where you. This is where the beginning of your, I guess, your alter ego. Uh, no. Um, today it's me. Tomorrow you was the beginning. Oh, that one used it first. Yep. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm on. I'm on a. I'm a day behind. Well, that's all okay. right. Okay. <laughs> so we, we were going to ask the reasoning for. I was going to let Tom ask why well, Tom. I, I know the story, but Brett. <laughs> Brett's got to tell everybody again why he used Montgomery Ford instead of Brett Halsey. I'm asked that question often. Well, I even ask myself are. sometimes. <laughs> um. In my career, in my life, I've often done things just to be honoring. And when they asked me to do this picture, I said, okay, but, and I was trying to think of some, I don't know. So I said, I don't want to, I want to use a different name. Why? I said, why? Because I want to, that's why. <laughs> and I did, and it was, it was a, probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done, because I, I'd hear from Hollywood, they'd say, oh, I hear you changed your name. I said, no, I didn't change my name. <laughs> uh, so that's why. I, I have no good reason. There is no good reason. But okay. what, happened to the, what happened to the film at the end of the year? Well, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> the film ended up being the second biggest grocer in Italy that year. So then all of a sudden, Montgomery Ford was a movie star. <laughs> So it was, yeah, it was, diff it was Montgomery difficult. Ford. It was difficult to kill him. Uh, <laughs> I, 
I did one more picture as Montgomery Ford, then that was it. Better ask you about William Berger because we're going to be asked, why did you talk? ask Brett about William Berger? Berger. Berger. Bill Berger was a really good actor and, and, and a good guy, had, had, had drug problems. Uh, he and his wife were very uh, open about using drugs and the the Italians Italians were would look the other way but not totally mm -hmm. and uh, it was a great tragedy they were arrested while they were on vacation and put in prison and he got out but they kept her and she was diabetic she needed insulin right but they wouldn't give it to her and she died in prison sad story it's really sad, and it hurt Bill. Uh, they had a daughter, she, a sweet girl. Uh, yeah, this it was too bad. I, I don't know. Bill continued to work, but uh, wasn't the happy guy that he that, that he had always been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's sad. Let's uh, move on to your next spaghetti western, uh, Wrath of God, which kind of has a cool little on running thing through it where you leave a silver dollar next to all your victims as you seek revenge, right, Brett? I don't remember. Uh, Is that right, Tom? Yeah, Brett plays Mike Barrett, who he turns home in order to leave his gunfighter days behind him and settle down on a farm with his, I guess sometimes they say sweetheart, sometimes they say his wife, Jane, but things do not go as planned. He finds Jane murdered, and he's set upon by seven killers, who beat the hell out of him, <laughs> steal his life savings of $10,000, all in $50 bills, and they leave him $7 left in the cabinet. So Mike vows to track down every man, paying them back with a solitary dollar and death for each killer. So every time he, he finds one of these guys, he disposes them and throws a dollar down on him. And the, the, the problem is at the very end, he finds out that the leader of the gang is his best friend. It's sort of like um, a man called King. Right. I, I'd, I'd forgotten all that. Yeah, he looks... I mean, you wore the same costume, basically, as you did in Today We Kill, Tomorrow We Die. You had the beard, you had uh, the hat, the dark cape. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, different director. That was directed yeah. by Alberto Cardone, who was mm -hmm. a very good... He was uh, from Argentina. I did two films with him. <clears throat> very inventive. Uh, I remember we had a I had a fight with uh, stuntman uh, Franco Fantasio. Yep. And, and uh, Fantasio was was a great uh, swordsman. Swordsman, I yes. I think he was in the Olympics even. Wow. But uh, Cardoni wanted a, 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 a crane for the shot. He wanted to shoot down on the on the on the fight. He didn't have one, but he contacted the local. This was, uh, I think, it was Almeria. He contacted the local fireman, fire department and got their ladder truck. Hook ladder? Uh -huh. Hook ladder. <laughs> so he ran the ladder all the way up and then put the, had the camera at the top of the ladder and then shot down. It was very inventive. It was a good director, Cardone. Well, while we're on this mo movie, Jay, we better ask him because we've got one of the, uh, uh, the supporting actors coming up in a future show to do a review on him. Fernando Sancho. What can you tell us about Fernando? Right. He was a, a, a very nice man. He, he, 
he was fun. He was always smiling. He was uh, Spanish, of course. And I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think he spoke English. I don't remember him speaking English. So uh, we didn't have much interplay, gotcha. but he he was fun to work with. So let's move on to your uh, next spaghetti western, and that is the simple title. Well, at least in one part of the country or the world, kidnapping, and. Um, I think it's also known as twenty thousand for seven. Correct. It's a, isn't that another Montgomery uh, outing or? I don't think so. Okay. Might be, but I don't. I don't think so. Um, IMDb think, lists him as Montgomery Ford, but you know, <laughs> he only did two. He only did two. He was he was there. Anyways, he plays plays uh, Fred Leinster, an alcoholic ex sheriff who is paid to collect a ransom for the kidnapping of a young boy. When he finds out the particulars of the crime, he turns the tables on the outlaws, which are led by Sheriff Bill Cochran, Herman Lang, who uh, superseded him. Uh, so he he basically plays a drunk that because his wife and I think daughter or son were killed in a buggy accident, he he blames himself. So he's one of these guys that goes on a bender, and he sort of redeems himself in this film here by uh, saving the boy and uh, taking care of the outlaws. You remember about that film, Brett? Uh, practically nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was also directed by Cardone. Right. Shot in uh, Almeria. Well, yeah, you're basically hired to rescue a kidnapped boy. The poster is legendary. I have various versions of that. Um, a lot of people, as well as, as myself, thought your character was uh, based on the drunken sheriff that Dean Martin played, kind of an El Dorado. Uh, what do you know about that? Uh, nothing at all. Over <laughs> <laughs> oh, two. I remember one thing. I think it was maybe this picture where we're starting to shoot a scene. And I said to Cardoni, I said, no, we shot this scene. Uh, we already shot this scene. We're going to shoot it again. He said, no, we yeah, we had and the producer came and he said, no, you're both right. You did shoot the scene, but it was in the last picture. This oh, duplicated wow. the scene? <laughs> well, it's just a similar yeah, scene. Yeah, similar scene, yeah. Wow. Tom, you, you've seen Kidnapping. What do you think about it? I haven't seen it in a long time. I wow. thought he was very good because he plays a different type of character. He's not the, uh, you know, the, this, the, the, the hero type. He plays this drunk, but he redeems himself. So uh, it's, a, it's a different type of role. Right. Not the anti-hero that everybody expects to see. I, I wish I remembered it. Uh, do Do we have it? Kidnapping? No. Oh, I don't have it. Oh, that's wow. Cool. Anyway. Anyway, let's let's. I was going to ask you a question that we talked about in the in the pre-show. Uh, that you dubbed uh, a bunch of movies when you were in Italy. Is that was that due to you had to, or you were hired to do that as well? Uh, I. I dubbed myself whenever I could. Okay. But if I was, wasn't available, they would use another voice. And uh, I did like dubbing, as as I had explained before. <clears throat> um, I wasn't always very good with money, and my, my wife at the time was was kept me on sort of a budget. But if I if I did dubbing, then that didn't count. That was my own. Pocket oh, money. on the side, I see. Yeah. So I uh, I did dubbing whenever I could, and I dubbed quite a few actors. Uh, I do remember dubbing another prominent 
actor's voice in a film. And afterwards I heard that it was his best performance, which made me very proud. With your because voice. Because it was you. With my voice, yeah. <laughs> Well, then after that, you made your final Spaghetti Western uh, for the maestro Mario Bava, Roy Colton, Winchester, Jack with uh, Charles Southwood. Was he a friend of yours? No, I, I met him while we were doing the film. Uh, I don't I don't know much about him. I don't know if... I, I think I heard he did another film, or, or maybe two. I, I don't know. Uh, we, we didn't socialize at all. Okay. Mary, uh, the, 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 the actress, Mary Lou Tolo, we did three or four films together. So uh, I knew her, of course, and we, we got along very well. Well, the question is, how was it working with Bava, of course? Wonderful. Bava is one of those directors that it makes the work fun. Uh, I did two films with Bava, and it was always pleasant, easy, even though even though sometimes the uh, our shooting situations weren't always pleasant, Bava made it pleasant. He, he was a very nice man. I also worked with his son, Lamberto. He's, also, he's a director. Right. Um, Oh, Bava is one of one of the greats. Yeah. No, that's no. We're we're big fans of Bava and his. his well, at least I am. <laughs> about Tom. Um, did, did, did you have a script on this? Or I've I've heard that after the first couple of days, Bava basically tore up the script and you made it up as you went along, day by day. That could be true. Yeah, that's what Sometimes Southwood said. Sometimes the scripts weren't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that that. Could be very true because Bava wanted to make make it make fun and and it was a fun western. It was kind of jokey. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, going to ask you about Mary Lou Tolo, too, because she was supposedly. I mean, if you watched this movie and you'd never seen her in anything else, you'd think, "Wow, what a wild and crazy actress that girl is." But I've heard she wasn't anything like that. Well, then you heard wrong. Okay, <laughs> I heard wrong. Okay. Yeah, she's pretty wild and crazy. Was she okay? Uh, that's a whole story. <laughs> well, we've got an hour. <laughs> well, she would do things like she she was publicity crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, listen, it'll be really good publicity. Uh, I'll set it up with the paparazzi, and they'll catch you coming out of my apartment in the morning. And I said, <laughs> well, wait a minute, Mary. What will my wife say about that? And she said, oh, she'll understand. She's an actress. She'll understand. I said, I don't think she would understand. I don't think we're going to do that. But no. she would do things like that. She was. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, Tom, anything else regarded to Spaghetti Westerns you wanted to ask, Brett? Uh, I think that's that's what I've got. Um, again, in Roy Coyton, Colt and Winchester Jack, Yeah. Uh, Lee Burton is in it, and which we talked about, and uh, Charles Southwood. Uh, uh, Robert Manell uh, interviewed Charles Southwood, I would want to say, back in the mid-90s. He tracked him down, Brett, because we always had a question, was Charles Southwood his real name, or did he copy Clint Eastwood and just make it up? And uh, Charles Southwood was his real name, and he tracked him down in Grants, Grants Pass, Oregon. And he was uh, basically a scientist. I don't know if he worked for a college or whatever, but uh, 
he called and talked to him three or four times about the about the films that he was in because he made about three other spaghetti westerns, a couple of them with uh, oh, George Hilton, and uh, th- it was funny because <laughs> because he thought that he should get the top billing on Roy Colton Winchester Jack, and we're, I'm going. Listen, everybody knows who Brett Halsey is. He's still around and he's still prominent. No one's seen Charles Southwood in 40 years. I mean, why would he? Why would he consider wanting top billing on a DVD or a video release? Right. But uh, he passed away. I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. All right. But yeah, amazing. When it came time to dub the movies, if I was maybe in Spain or someplace else making another movie, if I wasn't available, they'd put another voice sure. on. Well, people don't understand that even like the Italian actors, Bud Spencer, Terrence Hill, a lot of their movies are dubbed because, like you, they were so busy, it came time to dub them, they weren't available, so they would have someone come in and dub them, and then they tried to keep the same voice actor so that it sounded like them film yeah. after film after film, but they say, well, that, that's impossible. No, it's not. They're too busy to dub because by the time they did all the, as you said, they recorded them silent, so by the time they edited them, and got them ready to go. It could be a couple of months down the road. Yeah, uh, with the uh, with the dubbing, I remember I did a, 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 a Italian TV show, <clears throat> and uh, the director asked. He said, "You want to play it in English or, or, or Italian?" I said, "I don't care. Uh, I'd rather English, of course." He said, "Okay." And when I saw it on on television, my Italian voice sounded exactly like me. If if wow. if, I, if I wasn't if I didn't know that I didn't do it, yeah. it was me in Italian. If you were in another room and heard the voice, you'd have thought that was you on TV. Yeah. They, right. were, they were the masters. You, you asked about uh, stuntmen earlier. Oh, yeah. When it came to swordplay and that stuff, the Italians were untouchable. They were really great. Westerns, they weren't all that good. They didn't have the fight training that we had, that the Americans had. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the horse train. They'd get on a horse and kill themselves. Right. But, uh, but, but the Americans, who had real horse training, uh, I remember once there was a scene with Wade Preston and I were first shot in the picture, were to ride out, out of shot and around the corner uh, in out, outdoors, and it was icy. So everybody was watching to see these two American cowboys on horse. Well, we rode out of, out of shot, and then we did, they were looking. We didn't come back. We didn't come back. Well, pretty soon, here we come. We, we were walking back, leading the horses. And they said, why aren't you riding? I said, are you crazy? With this ice, we're going to ride? So we did. Not only did would you get hurt, but you might hurt the horses, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I was going to... Uh, uh, move on from the spaghetti westerns because i wanted to actually encompass you know a lot of what you did from the beginning so it wasn't in the end of anything at this point you simply i think came back to america uh, and around the 70s you just did a lot of television and guest appearances like the love boat and the bionic woman right brett yeah what was that like doing just being on a new show every week or month <laughs> well again it was work right uh, uh, and and it, it was back to my t- origins because I had done television before and 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 the 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 B Hot Rod Pictures. Today they'll shoot an episode of television that take more time than the than we took in the in the, 
Hot feature. Right. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the work. It was a little strange coming back. I'd been away too long, and I was surprised. I thought of myself as a movie star, and when I came back, they said, uh, "Where you been?" <laughs> right. I was. So, so I, I had to reestablish. Right. And then I was going to say uh, that from the '70s and the '80s. You basically reinvented yourself again in a, in a new genre, uh, working for directors like Lucio Fulci uh, with The Devil's Honey and, and Touch of Death and Cat in the Brain and, and Demonia. So you were making these kind of gory uh, horror films. Was this a, a career move that you wanted to make or is it something you didn't mind? It was, it was still work. Hmm. I, I don't want to say I didn't mind. I, I enjoyed it. And I, I worked with all of the masters of Italian horror, of European horror, Fulci, Bava. Uh, they were the Co cozy. Yeah, uh, Cozzi, mm -hmm. Luigi Cozzi. Um, and and it was fun. It's, uh, working with uh, with uh, Bava was 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 terrific. Of course, we didn't do horror. But I, I worked with him. But um, Fulci, we did four, four. films. So we got in, in tune. So we could, uh, the, the one picture I just saw it the other day, uh, Touch of Death. It was originally just a straight horror, and we made it kind of black humor. Uh, I, I, I liked, liked working with him. And it was nice to have a, a new career. It was um, one of the pictures, I think it was Demonia. Right. Um, we shot in Sicily. That was really weird. We shot in this little old town way up in the hills in Sicily. It was so remote, this town, that you walk down the street and everybody looks like their cousins. A little <laughs> demented. And we shot in the basement of this church where they had corpses laid out on on shelves that had been there for maybe a hundred years, dressed and everything. S smell was awful. Oh. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't a stink smell, but it was just the smell of Death. deaths. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting ready for the part. Is that where you played the cannibal and you grind the women? Uh, uh, that a different one? That was a different one. That, okay. That, I, th I, th I think you, you might have lost me on, on that. You know, Tom knows. I. I can't even look at a shot when I get a shot or a vaccine. I can't look at my own blood. <laughs> I, I'm a, that's why I like Val Luton films, just black and white and the shadows. No, so, we, the Italians went for blood. We lots of blood. Right, and, and I'd I'd be remiss if I'd also didn't mention you didn't make a horror film with them, which is rare. But you got to make uh, a film with Jess Franco, Esmeralda yeah. Bay. How was that? That was kind of fun. Um, I was in Spain doing something else, and I was finished. And I ran into him. And he said, "I'm doing this picture. There's a part you can play. You want to stay?" Because if the fact that I was already in Spain saved him transportation to bring an actor from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Jess was very good that way. <laughs> uh, was he as nutty and crazy on the set, or is that just rumor? I didn't see any nutty and crazy. Oh, wow. But, but what he did was, would, would might seem, there was one shot, it was a big invasion force. 
and we had this uh, on a beach and they shot us on the beach but no invasion force i don't know how they did that there was no back and forth uh it was just it was it was kind of kind of crazy the um the lead actor i he he had a name a family name i don't know that was kind of important in the business but he couldn't act to save his life right uh so we haven't heard from him again okay and then let's move on to, I guess, to another aspect of your film career, which could even be considered in present day. You kept busy in the 90s and the 2000s, uh, appearing in, on TV and independent films like uh, The Scarlet Worm and, and Risk Factor. So I guess you just keep, you love acting and you'll, you'll keep doing it, huh, Brett? That's what I know. Right. Uh, I started acting as a child. Uh, not professionally. Professionally, I started acting uh, <clears throat> at Universal. Uh, one little story I want to tell you. Okay. Going back to those days. When I was, uh, I guess, eight or nine, we were living in Laurel Canyon, which is Laurel Canyon's a Hollywood place where movie stars live. And uh, down the street lived my best friend. His name was uh, Danny McLaughlin. And he called me one day, one night, evening, and he said, guess what? He said, Dagwood's here and he's having dinner with us. I said, Dag now, Dagwood Bumstead, we're talking about, blonde. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in my generation, they were as well known as, I don't know, Johnny Depp today. I said, Dagwood's at your house? I said, you're crazy. He's not at your house. He said, yeah, he's here. We're having dinner. I said, don't give me that baloney. Uh, he said, yeah. I said, well, if Dag was really there, put him on the phone. Well, I don't know. Well, he, okay. Pretty soon, voice comes on the phone. Hi. I says, are you Dagwood? He said, yeah. I said, I don't know. If you're really <laughs> Dagwood, let me hear you yell Blondie. He said, then I heard Blondie, <laughs> which was his signature. I said, my God, it's really Dagwood. No, being the clever little kid I was, I said, well, okay, I, I think I believe you now, but if you're really Dagwood, leave, leave me a pass so I can come to see the show. <laughs> and he did. And we went to see, they had audiences at, at the radio shows in those days. And afterwards, he took me up on stage and introduced me to Blondie and Mr. Dithers and... <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, one of my real early Hollywood experiences. Cool. Oh, that is awesome. And I guess now, um, Tom, is I guess, Brett, you want to talk about the, your, I guess, career as a novelist, a writer. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, we talked, we talked about, asked him about this the other day, but he can say it again. Mm. Uh, I asked him about Magnificent Strangers, whether it was the, if he had ever written anything before that. Uh, either book-wise or whatever, and you said? Uh, well, rewriting scripts. Right. Uh, I did a lot of that. I wrote some ideas for TV when I was before I went over to Europe. I had it in my... in the back of my... something. Mm -hmm. but, but when um, the acting kind of slowed down, I got a little old to play leading man with a sword. Uh, I 
started collecting stories about uh, what was going on in Rome. Uh, to make the long story short, uh, I had all these stories in my head, and I thought someday I'll write a book about it. And as you all know, that every actor you've ever heard of is going to write a book someday. Sure. So uh, I came back to Hollywood, and I had lunch with a, a, a writer friend of mine who had been writing on my series, Follow the Sun. And he said, you know, that's a good story. You should write it. And I said, yeah. yeah. He said, let me introduce you to the head of Bantam out here uh, and tell the story to him. He did. I told him the story, Charles Block, wonderful editor. Uh, and he said, that's pretty good. Write something, write a synopsis. So I did. And I gave it to him. And a few weeks later, just by chance, the president of Bantam had come out from New York. And they set up a meeting, and I had a meeting with the president of Benham. And he liked the story, too. He said, yeah, but all you actors, you think you're going to write, la, 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 la. <laughs> he said, all right, give me some chapters. So I wrote three or four chapters. They bought the book, gave me a contract with a big advance. The contract said, if I didn't deliver the book in such and such a time, I had to give the advance back. Well, from that moment, I became a professional author. There's no way I'm going to give that money back. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the book has had a pretty good success. It's been optioned for the movies three times. And, then and, paid, and paid well. Yep. Uh, so now I've written, just by chance, I have a couple of books here. What and, do you got? Oh my God. Well, here they are. <laughs> Take your time. Can you see? Wow. Yeah. So I keep busy. I, um, I'm working now on uh, Grave Misunderstanding is a, is a oh. noir, black uh, a woman accidentally kills her husband while he's trying to rape her. And uh, she accidentally kills him. So her boyfriend, she and her boyfriend decide for other reasons that they would bury the husband's body in the in the grave of his ex-wife, oh, which gets the story good. Really? Anyway, uh, the last couple of days I've been working on uh, a screenplay of that novel, which is kind of an interesting project because there's so much in a novel that you can't, it's too much for, for a movie. Right. So deciding what to put in and what to take out take and out. Keep, yeah. it, keep it going. That's that's my well. That and also I'm finishing a western, a, a follow up to West of Hell. It's because I'm in there. I had to buy a copy. Yeah, <laughs> you use my name in there, so that's how I sell books. I write people's name in there, and they have to buy the book. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll be in the next one. Yeah, I was already. I actually have already been working on it. Oh God! Okay. Being a pervert, do you? That's that's, that's the fine. one I Fits like. Fits me perfectly. That's the one I like. This is this is one of my yeah, favorites. It's so, historical fiction. Yep. Based on my family history and what happened in California, and uh, great one. Yesterday's children. This is about. There you go. People in uh, soap opera. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh, sex and violence and. Here it says they, adultery, abortion, incest. That's what's happening on your TV set. But behind the camera is where you'll find the real story. 
Is this like Magnificent Strangers? Are there real people here? That yeah. yeah. Wow. Magnificent Strangers is real people. Yep. That, that's uh, incredible. So uh, let's see what else. Oh, I was going to ask you one. One, one, quick, one more. Go ahead. One more I'm writing Zarina. Yeah, go ahead. It's called uh, the Zarina's favorite Italian cousin. It's a comedy set in uh, in uh, Russia in the 1800s, hmm. where this um, Russian, I mean, a, a, a Italian warrior prince is on his way home on New Year's Eve, and he's just trying to get out of Russia, but instead he gets caught in this little town and. In, in their politics and and uh, duels and romance and all kinds wow. of one problem after another. That's almost finished. Wow, wow. So That's incredible. So you see this, I'm sitting in this room. This is where I spend most of my time, uh, except when Victoria gets us out to do some exercise. With this virus business, you can't, yeah. it's hard to go, the gym is closed. Right. So uh, we just go for walks and things. Well, you're you're looking good though. Well, I feel pretty good. Uh, my doctor thinks I'll make it another year or two. <laughs> oh, good. Another another book. Another book. Yeah. I've, another I've, book. I have too much to do. I can't afford to die. So I have to. No, we are just honored that you you were here, and and we're gonna just uh, t I guess uh, jump on the bandwagon of showing books. Uh, because now, guess what? What it's time for, Brett? It's time for Book of the Week, where um, Tom and I show our Spaghetti Western books. Oh. You're, you showed about six or seven, <laughs> so that's fine. Unless you wanted to show another one. Well, this is a book that was written about me. Oh, hold on. Yep. By an English author. He, and here's another one that he wrote about me. Look at that. Extra Book of the Week, folks. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Tom, yeah, you, Tom's one. got his copy. I've got that one, too, John, so we're back-to-back -back on that one. Yeah, John Murray. He's a good writer. Yep. And then I guess I'll show mine. I guess Tom hasn't shown his yet. This is a tough one to get. I got a friend in Japan sent it over to me. It's called Macaroni Posters. And it's it, to me, it's right up there with the Westerns, all Italiana books. I don't know if I could even... It's yep. got color poster after color poster <laughs> in here. And it's a tough book to get. Uh, macaroni posters. If you can find it on eBay or anybody, anywhere else, grab it. And Tom, what is your book of the week? My book of the week is oh. Mario Marco Giusti's Dictionary del Western Italiano. Now, there's no pictures in this, and it's in Italian, but it's a list of uh, all the spaghetti westerns. So, again, cast lists and stuff like that. I use that as like an encyclopedia. How many are there? Italian Western. Oh. That looks like a thick book. Um, there, there's estimates when beginning, so they were saying 360 some. There's more like 600, 600. And some. Yeah. 600. Um, yeah. If you include Euro Westerns and uh, Zorro films, like I asked you about, Winnetou movies, Winnetou, the German stuff, you know. They were pretty good, the Winnetou pictures. Yeah. Fantastic photography, cinematography in those. Yeah. So and I thought you meant how many books are there. I don't know how oh, many God. books on Spaghetti oh. Westerns. About 35, 40. Easy. 45, 50. You got time for another little story, Winnetou? Sure. Of course yeah. we do. I was uh, going to Berlin once, and I had uh, a script of uh, actually West of Hell. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a script before it was a book, and then 
But anyway, I had the script in German on this seat next to me in the car. So as I drive up to uh, to the Vopos, the, the East Berlin police, which were, were really tough, this tough little cop uh, was checked my car over. They checked with mirrors underneath to see that I didn't have I don't know what. And he saw the script on this on the uh, on the seat next to me, and he had this long um, baton that he used to point things. And he reached in and he pointed at it, and he made a gesture to show me this. So I, I brought it up, and the, the uh, German title was uh, Jenseits von Heller, which means West of Hell. He thought it was West of Hell, East and West Germany. Oh, gee. And I, my, my German says, I said, no, 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 it's Western cowboy, cowboy, Texas. And he's, he said, no, 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 no. And then I said, <laughs> I said, Winnetou, Winnetou, cowboy. And he smiled. He said, oh, Wilde West, Wild West. I said, yeah. <laughs> and he smiled again. And he said, okay, goodbye. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Who knew the would get you through the day? They're raised on yeah. Winnetou like we're raised on Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I right, mean, right. They right. know. Right. And I guess, Tom, it's uh, Brad, if you'll join us, it's time for Tom's uh, weekly news, which I think begins with uh, a sad story in the news that happened early this week. Well, real, real quick, I'm going to mention oh. this will be the last time, hopefully. This thing ha keeps raising its ugly head. Uh, I mentioned last week that it was available the end of June. Well, it's been recalled once again. All the back orders and early uh, orders have been shipped out, but there's no more copies coming. So if you haven't ordered it by now, you're not going to get it, and you'll probably never see it again. So that's the end of the Django DVD. Um, well, that's terrible. Far, yeah, well, enough time. Let's make the announcement. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> well, <laughs> the the bad news of the week is, as we all heard, composer Ennio Morricone died in Rome, Italy, on July 6th. He was 91. Uh, born in Rome on November 10th, 1927, he scored more than 500 films, seven for Sergio Leone alone. Morricone won two Oscars, got screwed out of at least five. He also won three Grammy Awards, four Golden Globes, six BAFTAs, 10 David D. Donatello, 11 Silver Ribbons, two European Film Awards, a Golden Lion for Lifetime Achievement, and a Polar Music Prize. In 2017, he received the honor of Knight of the Grand Cross of the Order of Merit of the Italian Republic. He was an Academian of Santa Cecilia, belovedly called the Maestro by all his fans. He was the soul of the Spaghetti Western. Many of us were turned on to the genre just because of his scores of the dollar films. And many of us became Morricone collectors. Even though he was a very private man, he knew more about, we knew more about Enio than homegrown composers like John Williams, Jerry Goldsmith, or Henry Mancini. Yeah. We anxiously awaited his next scoring assignment and film score release. He had international fan clubs, magazines, and publications published in his honor. Later in life, lucky fans got to actually see him and his orchestra perform in concert halls around the world. I bought tickets to two concerts, but both were canceled. 
I was able to meet him in 1994 in Glendale, California, where the ASCAP composers honored him with a Lifetime Achievement Award. I shook his hand and told him how much his music meant to me. Thankfully, his genius was recognized early, and all of his music has been preserved for generations to come. We should count ourselves lucky that we were alive during his creative years and enjoyed decades of his compositions. The maestro is now with Sergio, but he has left us with a legacy of his music to sustain our sorrow. Rest in peace, Enio. There will never be another like you. Amen, Tom. Yes, sir. Amen. He was one of a kind. One of a kind. Yep. Do you want to mention some friends you want to say hi to? No, no. Uh, okay. Thank your agent. And that, your, would, that would be uh, another. No. Uh, no, my agent's dead anyway. My, oh, sorry to hear literary that. Literary agents. Everybody, you know, they're all dying all around me when I when I think of all my spaghetti western uh, colleagues in. Oh yeah. In Rome, yeah. they're all gone. All gone. All right, there. There's still some remaining as yourself, and we're so happy that you joined us for our our special guest today. Thank you so much, Brett Halsey, for coming by. Thanks, Brett. That's and pleasure. Thank you, and and for Tom Betts, the one and only. Westerns all Italiana, uh, Professor. I am Jay Jennings. Hasta la vista or adios, adios amigo. amigos. Adios. Thank you. Arrivederci. <laughs> Arrivederci. We'll see you next week on Once Upon a Time in Spaghetti Westerns. Thank you for joining us on the Once Upon a Time in Spaghetti Westerns podcast. Join us next time for more informative reviews, interviews, and recollections. Adios, amigos. <laughs>